The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. This morning we're kicking off a brand new message series entitled, What's on Your Mind? And to start that series, we're going to be looking at Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This morning, Pastor is going to come and kick off this brand new message series for us entitled, What's on Your Mind? Well, the last several weeks, uh, we've been going through a series on the New Covenant, and, and that particular series was very uh, theologically in-depth. I mean, we, we really plumbed the depths of that one. It was very intense. Uh, it was very intellectually, you know, kind of complex. And so I felt led to kind of maybe go in a little bit more of a practical, uh, just kind of put the cookies on the bottom shelf a little bit for this next series. And uh, I want to do a series on just our thinking and uh, what it looks like to have a renewed mind from Romans chapter number 12. And so for the next several weeks, to some degree, it's going to be basic, but I hope there are some very practical, some very relevant things that you'll be able to apply to your Christian life Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And so today is the introductory message to that. And then over the next six weeks, we're going to look at, about, we're going to look at our thoughts toward God. Uh, we're going to look at our thoughts about ourselves and our identity in Christ and then we're going to look at our thoughts about others and how to handle conflict and how to view and how to have a right perspective uh, toward other people, whether in the church or outside of the church. And so that's a little bit of where we're going, and that's what we're going to do here today. So Romans chapter number 12 is where we're going to be. We'll do just a real brief expositional uh, study of these couple of verses, and then uh, we'll move on in the weeks to come. I think most of us would find ourselves in a situation where we've attempted to change some aspect of our lives. Uh, how many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution? Raise your hand. How many of you have done that? You've committed to yourself, I'm going to change in this area. Uh, sometimes the changes are physical in nature. Other times they are relational or emotional in nature. But I, I believe part of being a human being is having a desire to grow having a desire to develop, and having a desire to really change. And, and that's our desire. That's, that's our heartbeat. Now, the sad thing is, as you look at the scriptures, many believers don't follow a biblical pattern for how to change. The Bible's very clear here where it talks about be transformed, be changed, grow. Notice what it says, by the renewing of your mind. And that's kind of our key focus here today. And we're really taking a moment to study this idea that change happens only as our thinking is changed. You see, there are a lot of people in the world in which we live and they attempt to change their behaviors. They attempt to change their actions. They attempt to change their deeds without ever changing their beliefs and their thought patterns. And that's really what this series is going to focus in on. This, this attempt to change our behaviors without changing our thinking is really an exercise in futility. It's never going to happen. And yet the sad truth is most Christians don't think about what they think about. We just don't. 
Our thinking just tends to kind of be on autopilot. And so we're going to look at what does the scripture say about a a renewed mind? If we want to change a behavior in our marriage, if we want to change a behavior in our parenting, if we want to change a behavior in our workplace, all those changes are going to start with a change of belief and a change of thinking. If you try to change a behavior, if you try to change an action without changing its corresponding thought process, it's going to end in failure every single time, all right? And so we're going to really dive into this. Our theme for this particular series is this. Changing your thoughts really is the secret to changing your behavior. And changing your behavior is the secret to changing your life. And so we're going to look at how does the gospel... The death, burial, and resurrection. How does its reality both inform and transform the way we think? How is it supposed to transform how we interpret information, interpret the circumstances that come into our lives? That's what we're going to unpack over the next several weeks. As we begin, there was a book that was written, it was entitled Switch on Your Brain by Dr. Carolyn Leaf. And In this particular book, as a Christian, she wanted to look at tying together these concepts uh, from more of a uh, scientific perspective. And in her book, she says the brain was not designed to handle unhealthy, destructive thoughts on a continual basis. You say, what are unhealthy, you know, destructive thoughts? Thoughts such as fear, thoughts such as pessimism. Thoughts such as self-pity, insecurity, guilt, shame, discouragement, greed. We could go on and on and on. Our brains were not designed by God to handle those thought processes, those thought patterns on a regular basis. In fact, as sociologists study the brain, as neurosurgeons study these things, you will find that much like what happens when your body gets a splinter in it, imagine how many of you have had times where you've maybe gotten a splinter in your finger or in your hand, if if you don't quickly give attention to that splinter, something's going to happen. You're going to find that over time an infection will set in. It won't be long until inflammation begins to kind of grow around that splinter. Why? Because there is a foreign object in your body. Your body wasn't made, it wasn't natural for those things to enter into the body. And so the infection sets in, inflammation begins to happen. And what they're finding now is they continue to study kind of the brain that these unhealthy and destructive thought patterns do the exact same thing to your brain as like a splinter would do if it was not attended to. You'll find over time that a thought will literally, a destructive or unhealthy thought will lodge itself in your brain in much the same way the brain will do the same thing that it does to your body. It will, it will cause inflammation to build around that thought. I'll show you a picture here. I believe we have one. Uh, this next picture. These are literally thoughts in the brain. They are literally physiological thoughts. Most people may or may not realize that a thought has a physiological component to it. It's not just this nebulous thing that kind of floats around in your head. When you think a thought, a physiological change actually takes place in the very construct of your brain. These little things that look like trees, those are thoughts. 
When you think a thought, something happens in your head. A physiological change takes place. A little thought tree, if we want to use the analogy, literally begins to grow. Here's what's happening. As they are studying these things, they are finding out that a healthy thought does something very different than an unhealthy thought. An unhealthy thought, much like a splinter that gets into your body, when that unhealthy and destructive thought pierces your brain, pierces into your mind, it is a foreign object that is not designed to be there. And so the brain, in order to protect you, literally causes inflammation to happen around those negative, destructive thoughts. And so what we're discovering and what we're beginning to find is that when the Bible talks about, hey, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. There's a reason why God in his sovereignty, in his ultimate wisdom says, hey, as a believer, there are healthy ways to think and there are very unhealthy ways to think. There are uh, positive thoughts. There are destructive thoughts. So how do we know the difference? How do we know where our mind is supposed to go? That's what we're going to look at here over the next couple of weeks. Some sociologists have estimated that the average person thinks somewhere around 40,000 thoughts a day, both consciously and subconsciously. You think, man, I I don't know that I think 40,000 thoughts. Many of those are on a subconscious level. You don't necessarily think about making your heart beat, (laughs) making your lungs breathe. Those are subconscious things that your brain does in order to keep you alive and keep you moving forward. Sociologists have estimated that in the average human being, about 30,000 of those thoughts tend to be unhealthy, tend to be negative and destructive to the human soul. Now, We're going to look at this morning three aspects from this passage of how to start this journey toward renewed, what we're going to call Christ-centered gospel thinking. How does the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection inform and transform how we interpret information? All right, that's what we're going to unpack here a little bit today. Notice what it says here in verse number two. And it says... And be not conformed to this world, but, notice this, be ye transformed. Be ye changed. Alright, which leads us to our first thought this morning. If you have an outline, you can use it to go through our Bible study together. I want you to notice this first, and that is this. Be ye. This is a, this is a personal command. Be ye. I want you to see, first of all, changing your thinking is personal. Changing your thinking is personal. That is to say, as your pastor, I can't change your thoughts for you. Your spouse cannot change your thoughts for you. Your children can't change your thoughts for you. Your boss can't change your thoughts for you. Your you know, parents or loved ones can't change your thoughts for you. This is a personal decision. You have to take responsibility. You have to surrender your mind. You have to surrender your thoughts to the Lord. These are a decision you have to make personally. This is why the Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
We're talking about a renewed mind. We're talking about a mind that has the ability to be healthy. It was Leo Tolstoy, the author of Lord of the Rings, a Christian who said this. Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing themselves. We want to change our spouse. We want to change our children. We want to change our boss. We want to change our pastors. We want to change those around us. And yet the reality is this. Until we first see change take place in our own lives, we're rarely going to be an agent of change in the lives of other people. It starts with ourselves. It's a personal decision. I believe we'll throw this up on the screens. But in our pressurized society... People who are out of shape mentally usually fall victim to unhealthy thought patterns. Unhealthy thought patterns that are destructive to the human spirit. They're destructive to normal, healthy relationships. And as we're going to see later, even our very physical health can be impacted by the thoughts that we allow into our minds. So we see here, first of all, changing our thinking is personable. Be ye transformed. Let's keep moving on this morning. Notice what it says next. But be ye transformed, notice this, by the renewing of your mind. You see, whenever God challenges us to be something that is grace, uh, can allow, I I will say this, he he would never say, I'll say it this way, he would never challenge us. To do something that his grace wouldn't make possible. You see, when God challenges us, when God commands something in his word, it is because he also offers with that challenge the corresponding grace to make that a reality in your everyday life. Which brings us here to our second thought, and that is simply this. Changing our thoughts is possible. Not only is it personal, it is possible. And you might be sitting here today and you're like, I'm 20, I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm 50 years old, and I just can't seem to shake this attitude. This is the thought pattern that I've had toward my spouse, and it's not just been for a couple of months, it's been for year after year after year after year. And maybe you've had a particular thought pattern toward an institution or toward an individual or a relationship in your life, and if you're not careful, you can tend to think, this will never change in my life. This will never be any different. And if you're not careful, you'll find yourself resigning to a reality and saying, this is what always has been, therefore this is what always will be. I don't know if things can change in this situation, but I want to say to you, based on the authority of the Word of God, that things can change. Your marriage can be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You can see God do miracles in the life of your children, in the lives of your grandchildren. God is capable of transforming your heart from the inside out. These things are possible with Christ. Changing your thoughts is possible. And by God's grace, you can change your thinking with faith. You see, God can do for you what you are incapable of doing on your own. We need to be reminded, Philippians 4, 13, I can, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. When God challenges us to do something, He also provides us with the grace. He also empowers us to do that which He challenges us to do. You say, how exactly does this take place? Now, so I don't get too much ahead of myself, That's kind of what this whole series is about. 
And each week, we're going to unpack elements of how does proper, renewed thinking inform and transform both our minds and ultimately our lives. That's what this entire series is going to be about. Somebody once said it this way, your life today is to a large extent a result of your thinking yesterday. What you allowed into your mind yesterday influences where you are today. And your life tomorrow is highly influenced by what you think today. Now we understand God is sovereign over all. We understand that he is ultimately in control. But within that scope, what we choose to allow into our mind influences here the realities that we will experience in the future. And I want to say to you, it is possible for you to exchange fear for faith. It is possible for you to exchange negativity for joy and pessimism for hope and anger for peace and hate for love and a scarcity mentality for an abundance mentality and a complaining attitude for a spirit of gratitude. This is something that's possible. This is something that you can experience. And whether you find yourself 50 years old or 70 years old, with God's grace, it is possible to see a change take place from the inside out. Changing your thoughts is both personal, but it is also, secondly, it is possible. God would never ask us, never challenge us to do that which His grace doesn't divinely make possible. Let's keep moving here today. Notice what it says. But be ye, it's personal, transformed, it's possible, by the renewing of your mind. Notice this. That ye may prove what is that? It's good. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? First Timothy chapter number 4 verse 15 says it this way. Meditate upon, we, we might say focus on or Think on these things. So the Apostle Paul is writing to young Timothy. He has shared with him, hey, these are some things. These words of the Lord, I want you to meditate on. I want you to focus on. I want you to think upon these things. Notice this. Give thyself wholly to them. Absorb yourself in the reality of of these words from God. Why? That thy profiting may appear to all. What the Bible is saying is, You know what? When you're meditating and focusing on thinking on on those things which come from God and you give yourself, you allow those thoughts, you absorb yourself, you meditate on them. He says there's a profiting that is possible which leads us here to our third thought this morning and that is simply this. Changing our thoughts is both, yes, personal. It is also possible. But I want you to see thirdly here today, changing our thoughts is, lastly, was profitable. It's profitable. It's good. He says that they profiting may appear to all. And and the, the positive, profitable things that come from a proper outset is very, very healthy. Now, we could look at this, and we will over the next several weeks from a spiritual perspective, but I'm just trying to whet your appetite here a little bit today. According to the Journal of the American Heart Association, healthy thinking actually reduces the risk of death from cardiovascular diseases. Now, we understand, as we're going to see in the upcoming weeks, 
the spiritual, gospel-centered, Christ-oriented impact that can be made with healthy, positive thinking. But even the world is beginning to understand that on a very basic level, on a very physiological level, there are positive impacts that are made even to our very health. According to a Dutch study published by the JAMA Psychiatric Journal, one of the benefits of this healthy thinking is an increased lifespan. They've literally been able to conclude that people who allow a healthy set of thought patterns into their mind literally live longer. According to another institution, there is a greater resistance to something even as basic as the common cold. You say, man, how does, how does healthy thinking affect us even in a physiological way? And I know this is baseline. We're going we're to get to the spiritual application of this as the weeks go on. But I want you to understand both physically, emotionally, relationally, and most importantly, spiritually, lives are changed literally from how and what we allow into our thinking. It's been studied that there are lower rates of depression in those who have a healthy standard of thinking who are able to interpret situations and circumstances in their life in a healthy way. Um, According to a 2013 study from the Harvard School of Public Health, which they published in the American Journal of Cardiology, one of the benefits they found from healthy, positive thinking was lower cholesterol. Like literally your cholesterol lowers. Some of you have been to the doctor recently, and the doctor says you need to lower your cholesterol. According to this, this is one element in which this takes place. According to the Canadian Medical Association Journal, they have found that one of the benefits of healthy thinking is literally uh, slowing of the aging process. Literally, people who have a healthy perspective a healthy manner of interpreting the situations and circumstances of their life, they literally age slower than the rate of the rest of a demographic. You say, what's your point? It was Benjamin Disraeli who said it this way, nurture your thoughts. Cultivate your thoughts. Why? For you will never go higher than your thinking. So we see changing our thinking is personal. Changing our thinking is possible. And thirdly, changing our thinking is profitable. Now, with that in mind, I need to give a major, major caveat as we conclude, and that is simply this. I want to clarify today that what we are not talking about is simply the power of positive thinking. We're not simply talking about self-help or just kind of a new age thinking philosophy. Now, I will say this. While the self-help industry, some of you may or may not know this, the self-help industry right now, as of 2015, is a $45 billion industry, all right? There's massive money to be made in the self-help industry. But I want to say this. While at times the self-help movement diagnoses some of the problems correctly, and I have to give them credit for this, The problem lies, and they totally miss the mark when it comes to the prescription. And that's where we as Bible-believing Christians would differ, and we would maybe separate to some degree, from the self-help or the power of positive thinking movement. 
Because yes, they diagnose some of the issues. They, they can tell us, hey, this is what happens. But their prescription, the way that they would encourage people to uh, get positive thoughts, is shallow at best. Because they'll tell you, hey, look in the mirror and say this. You know, tell yourself that. Give yourself this affirmation and that affirmation. And yet they do not offer you a source from which those thoughts can blossom from. For those of us who are Bible believers, we understand that the place that these thoughts ultimately come from is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reason we can have a right perspective about who we are is because because of the blood of Jesus Christ, our identity is fully fixed in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not just that I'm awesome, it's the fact because I'm so unawesome, because my life was so broken, Jesus Christ had to go to the cross. He had to die, shed his blood. Why? To take the penalty and the punishment that our sin deserved. He took that upon himself. He took all of our unrighteousness and then by faith he offers us the grace of his perfect holy righteousness and now we get to stand before God in that sinless perfection why because we gave ourselves an affirmation in the mirror no because Jesus gave us a perfect gift and our identity is firmly rooted in him and him alone you see yes self-help can diagnose a problem but they cannot go to the depths of a prescription that we as gospel-centered believers understand you see so often they'll tell you hey think positive thoughts which is great what do you do when there is no foundation when you have no source for positive thoughts the unsaved unregenerate world they can try to conjure it up in their flesh they can try to maybe discipline themselves in some better thoughts but we as believers we have a source from which a, an identity can come from and that's the person of Jesus Christ you see it's It's the gospel that what Christ did on the cross in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, it is that which provides us the source of our affection. And we can look unto him, the author and finisher of our faith, recognizing it's not about what we can get. It's about who he is and who he was on our behalf. Philippians 2 verse 5 says this. We're not talking about the power of positive thinking. We're talking about a renewed thinking, a Christ-centered thinking. That's why Philippians says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about having a positive mindset. We're we're talking about having a Christ-centered mindset. We're talking about having a biblical mindset, a gospel-formed mindset. A lot of believers don't fully understand how the death, burial, and resurrection both informs and transforms how they can perceive, how they can interpret the circumstances that are taking place at work. So tomorrow, you're going to have to go into work, and for some of you, you're going to have some very frustrating coworkers. Others of you will have annoying bosses. And I want to ask you this question. How does what you know about the death, burial, and resurrection and the ramifications of the gospel, the good news, how will the ramifications of that reality inform how you interpret to yourself what's taking place around you? 
That's what this entire series is about because I, I, I'm afraid that many of us don't really know how what Jesus did on Calvary and the ramifications of the gospel, how that is to inform the way we interpret information and circumstances and situations that take place in the year 2016. And I'm here to say this, that the gospel has a huge ability to inform how you interpret what your boss is doing to you and what your spouse is doing and what's happening with your kids. And so over the next few weeks, we're just going to pull back the layers. And by God's grace, I'm hoping to give us a prescription of sorts from the word of God that will help us to properly interpret the situations that take place in our lives. You saying, are you saying if we do this, all my circumstances are going to change and everything's going to be a walk in the park and it's just going to be awesome and, you know, rainbows and rose petals every day? That's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, what I'm saying is things might not change at all in their functional reality, but it's amazing that when your mind is conformed to the mind of Christ, how even though nothing changes out there, everything actually changes because of the way you are now interpreting. Because of the, the gospel renewed mind lens that you now have literally changes your entire experience of that reality. And that's what the gospel makes possible for you. So what is it? What is renewed thinking? I want you to see this on the screens. Renewed thinking here today is a thought process that allows the ramifications of grace. I know, I know that's a loaded term, and I know in this moment we're not even fully unpacking that, all right? There's a lot in that little statement. The ramifications of grace to inform how we interpret all information and I'm going to say this, many times I have been guilty of not allowing grace, the grace of Jesus Christ, to inform how I interpret the circumstances, the situations, and the problems in my life. And so over the next several weeks, we, we are going to, we're going to try to discipline ourselves and our thought process and our thinking so that when we go to work, we can figure out how does grace inform how I interpret that horrible situation. How, how does grace want to inform how I interpret this difficulty in my marriage? How does grace and, and the gospel of Jesus Christ, how does that reality want to inform how I interpret this horrible trial in my life? Because this is what the mind of Christ makes possible. You say, why is this so important? Because according to what William James says, if you can change your mind, you'll be able to see your life change as well. Change your mind, you change your life. And I want to say this, I believe with every ounce of my being that every person in this room has the potential to become a good, healthy, Christ-centered thinker. The type of thinker that allows the gospel of grace to inform how we interpret the situations and the circumstances of our life. That's my belief, that's my prayer, and that's my hope. I want to encourage you to come back next week as we're going to start with our thoughts about God. It was A.W. Tozer who said, nothing influences our lives more 
than our thoughts about our Creator. And so we're going to start right there. What should our thoughts toward God be, and how does that influence what happens through me? And then we're going to look at our thoughts about ourselves, the identity that we have in Christ, our, our reality of who we are in Christ, and then our thoughts about others. How does the gospel of grace inform how I'm supposed to interpret what people do to me, how they treat me? We're going to just kind of walk through this one step at a time. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.